What's up, everyone? It's the Andy Up Podcast. I'm Adam Ronis. We're here, presented by the Sawdust Podcast Network. Howard Bender's off this week, as I mentioned, having special guests to join me this week. We have another great guest. Not great, but I have to say that boosts his confidence. It is Michael Florio from the NFL Network. I used to work with him back in the days. Mike, what's up? What's up? I was going to say, great guest. That's a better billing than I normally get from you. Yeah, you know, I was just trying to boost your ego. You know, Mike is a funny guy because... You know, I saw him when he first came up in the fantasy industry, and he looked like that lost puppy in the corner. So I was trying to give him knowledge, give him advice to do well. And somehow he got lucky and moved out to L.A. and became a part of the NFL Network. And now this year doing big things. You know, he was on the television screen, seeing him on NFL Network. And now all of a sudden, like he's Mr. Big Shot. You don't really hear from him anymore. He doesn't respond to texts. I'm surprised he actually joined to come on the show. But that's kind of what happens. Guys who come from nowhere, they kind of forget the people who had an influence on them and help them get to where they are. And Florio's one of those guys because I really don't hear from him anymore. I am definitely not one of those guys. I will come on this show any and every time you invite me, uh, Ronis. I will say, though, I am terrible at like reaching out and texting and everything. So it is something I tell myself all the time I need to get better at, but I'm really bad at it. Well, again, we go back. I don't even remember what year we met, but you were a producer uh, for some of the shows on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, then you became a host. And I even remember you asking me, hey, should I do this? Should I go out to LA? And I encourage you to do it. So I'm glad you're having the success, but how much influence did I have on you? And you better answer correctly because I can edit any negative things out. <laughs> I I will I, – I mean, I, I know things didn't go the best at, at our previous spot where we used to work, Ronis, but I am forever grateful for that time there, uh, getting to to not only, like, meet, but but become friends with, like, you and, and Nando DeFino and Scott Engel and Corey Parson and, and so many more great people to work with. Like, I I reached – like you said, I, I reached out to you for advice asking, like, do you think I should do that? That wasn't the first or only time I've asked you for advice. I, I joke around all the time and say, like, Nando is, like, a life mentor for me because I oh, – thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate that, Michael. I run by so much stuff by Nando, so – uh, just getting to watch and and learn from you guys and and kind of mirror the great work that all of you guys did, but also just getting to make like really good friends and stuff. It is something that I will forever be grateful for, and and I I will never forget that, Ronis. Yeah, and we became such good friends that you actually asked me to play some softball with that you was and join your team in Queens. It was a mistake. Why? Because. It allowed me to see your ineptitude and how bad you are and then publicize it. So you were trying to hide that? No, it was a mistake because we could have got a better player. Oh, stop. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that time that we were in Brooklyn and I was in the outfield? You don't even need, I remember it. You don't like without even going in, like when you said, Do you remember that time? I already knew what the story was gonna be. All right, so tell the story. We're in in what part of Brooklyn were we in? Was it Bed Stuy? I think it was Bed Stuy because it was actually about ten blocks from my ex girlfriend at the time. 
Yes, and and I remember it was close to Dinosaur Barbecue, and I, I you were thinking about going against some wings after the game, I, I think. And we're in the like like the pitch might have even been in the air because it, it's like lob softball, so it takes you know a, a second or two. And Ronis just goes like, Florio, and I turn around, and he was like, Look at that cake, and there was just some girl walking by. Yeah, you know sometimes Which you get distracted. Which is the most Ronis thing ever. Yeah, of course. You know it was Brooklyn, so it is a a pretty good area for uh, my preference of what I like out there. But yeah, you know, that's the thing, you know, I had Corey Parson on yesterday and we just had a really good group uh, where we had great camaraderie and I'm just really happy to see, you know, a lot of the guys move on to bigger and better things. Everyone is doing well. And even your twin brother, uh, Frank Stample, moving on to CBS sports. I don't know how you guys survived separated. Like it felt like you guys never left each other's side. The the funny thing is, like, everyone would make those jokes, and and it was, like, outside of, like, yeah, Frank was my boy, we went to high school, is my boy, we went to high school together, we're, we're really good friends, but we, like, I know a lot of his friends, and he knows a lot of my friends, but we had separate, like, friend groups that would sometimes hang out together, so... It would often be like I would see Frank at work and and fantasy events and here and there outside of that. But because we always went to every fantasy event together, everyone thought that that like we hung out together 24 seven. And it it actually was never true. Yeah, I don't believe it. But anyway, uh, (laughs) now you've been at NFL Network. What was it? Two years now, right? NFL.com. This was my my third season. Okay. well, I know you probably made spots on TV before, but it felt like I saw you a lot more this year. So just talk about that transition and what that was like. And were you expecting that to occur? So this was, I made um, TV appearances before on, on other stations, but on NFL network, the only thing I had done prior to this year was um, I was like Akbar stat guy. And he, Akbar used to be on the NFL show and like two, two or three times he would bring me on I would get to say like two words maybe, and then I'd go off screen. But I did, uh, I was doing some other video stuff with them. I was writing uh, a couple articles a week for them. So after last season, I, I kind of, I, I was sitting there and I was like, you know, I moved out to LA for this opportunity. I don't want to have any regrets. So let me like make it known what my hopes are. And I, I spoke to, you know, so, some of my bosses and stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I like my job as a researcher, but ultimately like, being on air and fantasy is what I is like my dream. And they told me like, all right, maybe we can incorporate like a short research segment, you know, like into the show here or there or something like that. I knew I was going to be doing a little bit more for them, but nothing. And then like I returned this year and they were like, yeah, you're going to be on the TV show every Friday. And I was just like, oh my God, like it was a dream come true. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity, but no, I had, I, I had no idea that, that it was going to go this way. And I was hopeful, but I did not expect it. Well, now that you've gotten this opportunity and you've devoted more time to fantasy football, have you actually become good at fantasy football? <laughs> I think so. Um, this year was, I had so many, but, but Ronis, I don't know if this happened to you or not either. I had so many teams that like weeks 12, 13, I was really looking at them. And I, I had like six teams where I was like, I think that in at least three of those six leagues, I'm the best team in the league. And I I thought that in like two or three others, like I had a very good chance of winning. So I kind of put more attention into those leagues because I'm a 
you know it, Ronis, like doing this, we join too many leagues. So when it gets late in the season, I kind of pay extra attention to the leagues. I think I have a chance of winning. And I made, you know, I had a, a few bye weeks, a, a few leagues where I had the most points scored. And then weeks 14 and 15 destroyed so many of my seasons. Like uh, we were in the Sirius XM league together, Ronis, the host league. I finished that my first year in it. Top, top record by far the most points. Get the bye week. Week 15 comes. Four of my big name players, including Devontae Adams, had their worst games of the season. And I was just sitting there like, well, that was fun. And then the next week, I would have blown anyone out. I had a lot of leagues like that this year. So to me, uh, obviously, the end goal is to win a championship. And that's why we play. But I think uh, if you're able to have a lot of success, because I, I won a league, but I feel like I should have won more. So having being able to have a like a successful year like that, a bunch of top seeds and good highest points, I think that to me is the judge of a, of a good fantasy football player. A little bit less than in like a roto baseball league where the best team is guaranteed to win. Sounds like the thoughts of a loser. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, I had similar situations. Yeah, I was in that host league. I actually did not make the playoffs, missing by a game. Just I actually felt like my team would have been set up well for the playoffs because I had I'm not going to lie. I was, I remember looking at your team and being pretty happy I, that you didn't. Yeah. Play. I thought like, <laughs> I was just like, I just need to get in. I had like Kamara and Swift. I had another good running back. I picked up, you know, Hawkinson at tight end Godwin, uh, DJ Moore. So yeah, it didn't work out, but yeah, the GST league, the Greenwich street tavern league, I had the most points across every league. I had the most points in my league by over a hundred. I had a 30 point lead in the overall championship going into week 16 and had one of my worst weeks of the season in week 16. So I lost the championship. I blew the overall championship. I still made a profit because I had the most points and I made the final, but it was just really frustrating. And in my home league, similar to what happened to you in the host league, I had the number one team, best record, most points. And in the semifinals, my opponent put up 249 and I had like 228, 229. Had I been victorious in that game, I would have won the championship the next week easily. So that's the frustrating part about fantasy football. Uh, but it keeps us coming back. And that's why I always say when you win a championship, you really have to enjoy it, even though I don't, because you know me, I hate <laughs> to lose. I'm competitive, man. Like I remember two years ago, I had a great fantasy football season. 12 of my, of my 13 teams made the playoffs. I had a chance to win a championship in almost all of them. And I lost in the final in like three or four of them where I was the top seed. And even though I won like four or five championships, those losses were more on my mind than the wins. And I know it's not healthy, but I can't help it, man. Uh, I got a, I got a competition problem. I really do. So I can emulate. Uh, do, do you have one league that if you lose it, like you can win all your other leagues and it won't matter because you lost that one league. Cause I have a league like that. I know. I mean, I obviously, I want to win the one with the highest, prize give out i mean yeah. you know i mean look do we want to win our home league sure but my home league is it's not for big money so and i don't really worry about if people say anything like oh you know i beat him you know it's funny my home league uh i only i cannot believe this and i don't know how uh we have not had many multiple winners i think we've only had two i'm not one of them like i've won my home league one time in the last like 10, 12 years, but I'm good every year. Like, I think I've made the playoffs every single year. Like I said, I was the one seed this year with the best record, but I lost in the semis. It's it's crazy. Yet the GST League, which probably 
I would say maybe it's maybe it reflects that the industry sucks. Hmm, let me think about this. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you know, in that league, we have some high stakes players. We have a lot of people in the industry. We have fans like that's uh, you've played in it. It's pretty competitive. I've yeah. been in the finals for every year I've been in it. I've been in that league four years. I've been in the final four years. I'm two and two. But so I've won that league two times in four years. Yet my home league, I've won like one time in 12 years. So my biggest league that I want to win the most is my home league as well. And I'm similar to you. I, w- I won it like 10 years ago, maybe. And since then, I've lost three times in the championship, I believe it is. I've had the, I've been like the number one seed or the highest scoring team multiple times. And it just it never pans out. Ronis, this year, I built what I like. I think it was the best team I've ever built before. It's a super flex league. My two quarterbacks were Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. I had Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers, uh, Austin Eckler, and DeAndre Swift as my running backs. My receivers were Thielen, A.J. Brown. I had Will Fuller, which that Will Fuller getting suspended. Yeah, I had him in my home league, too. That killed me. Yeah, and then I I had Evan Ingram, who's not great, but I also had Zach Ertz. Like, I was looking at this team like, there's no way this team could lose. It is so good. I'm putting up the most points every single week. I finished with the most points. First week of the season— uh, I blame Will Fuller because I lost uh, first game of the playoffs. I mean, I lost by eight to Lamar Jackson against Cleveland in that huge Monday night game. We're going into it. I just needed him not to have his best game of the season. And he by far had his best game of the season. But I lost by eight because I had to start Mike Williams, who got hurt that day and didn't and put up a donut in place of Will Fuller. And when Will Fuller got suspended, I tweeted out. I was like, it feels like I just lost a couple of championships and I still point back to that as being like what cost me because replacing Will Fuller, who was putting up wide receiver one numbers each week with a waiver wire, especially in a deeper league, like a waiver wire wide receiver, that hurts so much. Yeah, I mean, my team is an IDP league, so we start six IDP players. And in this draft, I had the two picks. So I lost Barkley and I still finished with the best record of most points. I had Brady, uh, Antonio Gibson, who got banged up in the playoffs, which hurt DeAndre Swift. But... Uh, you can start two running backs, five, uh, three receivers and two flex. So I usually would go two running backs and five receivers. And I had Kelsey and my receivers were A.J. Brown, Antonio Brown, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods, had Fuller. So, yeah, that's what happened. But even with that, I still again, the reason why in this league I was not as upset is because what can you do when you go against an opponent who goes off like there's nothing you can do? I, it, it sucks when you go back and look at decisions and go, oh, man, if I made this decision, I would have won. That's really hurts. But when you just when your opponent just goes off, you just got to say, look, there was nothing I can do. My opponent just had a big week. I think he had Darren Waller to Darren Waller have a big week 15 too. he did. Right. That was yeah. a three touchdown. week. He eliminated for- me in the league as well. Right. So it's like. You know, and he had Kyler Murray. So it's like, what can you do? Um, He just had guys go off. So in that situation, you just go, all right, it happens. And yeah, I had a similar to you. I had a team where I was the best team in the league, finished with the best record. Uh, Me and this other team were going back and forth all year for points. And everyone was like, you know, in the league thought it was going to be us coming down to the championship. And it would have been. But like in that league, like 200 is a really good week. The team I played put up like 240. I was like, what What can I do? Like, I still put up like 190 points. I had a really good week. I just had one of those weeks where you just tip your cap to the other team because they just, no one was going to beat them that week, which is why part of me is 
toyed with the thinking like to take a little randomness out should like you start with like what your weekly season average was or something like that but that also kind of takes away some of the fun of the fan of what makes fantasy football so much fun so i don't think there's a perfect answer but when you win it's great but when you lose on something like that your brain starts thinking like yeah that's not very fair i, I was clearly the better team well yeah i've actually and i think this is something and you you know have a platform to do it too i do think as an industry we need to start looking at different alternatives. And I brought this up on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio on Alarm After Hours uh, of maybe changing the playoff structure. The problem is a lot of people are so used to a certain way and they don't want it. You talked about the season average. I mean, that's what the high stakes leagues do. They take your average from weeks one to 13. That's what you have. And then your point totals from weeks 14, 15, 16 are added. And that's how you get the overall champion, uh, which we also do in the GST on a smaller scale. But I even... Throughout the idea of, okay, what if we have four teams make the playoffs and instead of a head-to-head, you play the playoffs weeks 14, 15, 16, and the highest score wins. I know it. there's no more head-to-head, but I do think we should at least have the discussions about that, maybe about changing some type of structure. In my home league, we do doubleheaders every week. I've done it for years, and I've talked about it uh, on the radio for a long time and people like it, you know, it offsets some of the luck. You know, we've been through this situation where someone has the most points, second most points, they don't make the playoffs. Now I know there's victory points. So there are other options, but I think we at least need to have these discussions on ways to improve. And I know some people are like, Oh, you're just being a crybaby because you lost. No, I'm like, this is not, I've been on the other side where I benefited and had things break my way. I mean, the first year I was in GST, I won on the final play. I don't know if you remember this. It was the final. Pl- I was playing. Truck. Oh, I remember. You know, truck, right? I remember. You know, truck. Yeah. So it was, it came down. It was Christmas night. I was on the radio at this time on Lee Sandoz fantasy. And it was, I went, it, he had, um, I had Juju Smith Schuster, the Eagles defense. He had Michael Crabtree and someone else. And I was down like 30 and I was like, I need a miracle. So Crabtree got a zero for him. No, Juju had like a touchdown in the third quarter where they were up big. I'm like, okay, I got a shot now. He had Cra- It was Raiders-Eagles. He had Crabtree had the Eagles defense. So Crabtree gets a zero. Now the Eagles score. They're kicking off to the Raiders with like five, six seconds left. So I'm on there. I'm like, well, because Eagles defense had a good game. I'm like, the only way I can win this is if, you know, the Raiders do the lateral. It goes awry. The Eagles pick it up and score a touchdown. Like that's the only way I can win. What happens? That happens. I was going nuts and I won the championship by like 1.6 because of that play. So did I get lucky on that? Yeah, of course. You know, it happens. And I could have easily been on the other side and got kicked in the nuts and that would feel like <laughs> shit. So I understand that. Um, so it's not sour grapes because of what happened to me this year. My goal, and I think people in the industry, our goal is how can we make this game better? And my goal as a commissioner or someone who has a voice in this industry is I want to eliminate as much luck as possible. There's luck in life in anything we do, right? Career, jobs, relationships, and you're lucky that you're getting married, right? You're engaged now, right? Or did you get married already? No, right? Not yet, no. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're lucky. I mean, a guy like you to get someone, you know, (laughs) that's luck, you know? So I won't argue that. I'm very lucky. Right. But like anything in life, there's luck involved. But we know, especially in fantasy football, the schedule is random. You know, you could play someone who you miss out on their elite superstar because you catch them every time they have a bye. And then one of your rivals 
doesn't face that. So I just think we should at least have these discussions on how to prove the game. That so that's that league I was telling you about, my home league where I lost in week 14 because of Lamar. I finished that year seven and six with the most points scored in the league. And uh, so we play that league on CBS. And to your point, like they do this thing at the end of the year where like they send out an email like, oh, if you had the if your schedules were flipped, like if you had this right. pressure, because that is the one thing that we cannot con- like you can draft a great team. You have zero say in, in your schedule and how it lines up. And it was like, oh, if you had this person's schedule, you would have been 11 and two. This person's schedule, you would have been 10 and three. And it was every other schedule record would have been better than mine because I also had the most points against. And and it wasn't like I was just playing good teams. Like I played this one team. His team name was barely can crack 100. He scored 170 against me. Like it sometimes it is just unlucky. And that is why, to me, the first thing that I think needs to change uh, in fantasy that last playoff spot and Ronis, I know you love, you you support this as well. Like, say you have six teams make the playoffs. Oh yeah, five can be by record. That sixth spot, whichever of those seven teams is out of the playoffs, whoever is the most points scored should get that spot because they're the best team. Oh, and I've talked about that for years. I mean, we do that. Well, the GST we kind of model off that high stakes leagues. We do top two best records get in. Uh, no, actually, we do best record is the one seed in a buy then the team with the next most points is the two seed in the buy then the next two best records then out of the remaining eight teams top two in points and we had i think two years ago a team at four nine get in because of points and people were complaining i'm like dude you know the rules if you don't like it don't come back next year i just think it's the most fair way in fact so i talked to you about my double header league in my home league so every year we were getting the top six teams in there was one year i think it was three years ago the team with the second most points, even with double headers, was outside the top six. I was like, oh, shit, man. I'm like, damn, I feel bad. He's like, nah, don't worry about it. I didn't win when I was supposed to. I'm like, come on, man. That's so stupid. Like, we're a coach with a game plan and we control. So I was like, all right, even uh, next year, top five records. And then out of the remaining teams, the team with the most points gets the last spot. And the year I changed it, what happened? The team with the most points, even in a league with double headers, had I not changed the rule, would have been out. He was outside the top six, and he got that six spot because I changed the rule. So even double headers don't offset that bad luck. So it's just a, a discussion to have. Uh, we're going to continue the discussion, but first, here's a word from our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. MonkeyKnifeFight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because MonkeyKnifeFight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on MonkeyKnifeFight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play play MKFing win. 
State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. Back here, it's the Andy Up Podcast. Adam Ronan's special guest, Michael Florio from NFL.com, NFL Network. You might have seen his ugly face on the screen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, man. That's mean. I can't do that. I love, I love picking <laughs> with you and messing with you. You're used to it. That's why you're laughing. But yeah, Florio's like my little brother, man. You know, um, I like, you know, there was people that helped me along the way. My grandfather, Scott Engel, you know, he's responsible. <laughs> I love messing with him too, but he gets really offended by that. But yeah, you know, he... He helped me along the way. And I think, you know, just passing it down. And uh, I know I talked to Frank Stample, Michael Florio a lot. They were asking for advice on things to do. So I am proud to see where you're at right now, man. That that means a lot to me. And and I, I love messing with Scott as well. But, you know, like he always has con words like that as well. And uh, it it means a lot because you guys are, like I said at the start of the show, you guys were people that I looked up for. And I was like, man. If I could never have a job like they have, I would be so happy. And yeah, I mean, you know, those early 6 a.m. shows having to be on the subway by 5 a.m. It, it sucked at the time, but I, I look back at it now like, oh, everything was well worth it and, and kind of happened the way that I think it was supposed to. I, I, I'm a believer that like things kind of work out in a way that they were supposed to. So I think uh, we were destined to become friends, Ronis. Yeah, definitely. And I know you do a show with Scott Angle now uh, as part of Rotoballer Radio and Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. You saw how I fucked with Scott Angle. Do you mess around with him like I did? Not nearly as much uh, because it's just me and Scotty. And and I, I don't know, like I, I do give him a hard time on certain things, especially with Seattle. Anytime he starts talking up Seattle, uh, I'll ask him who's your favorite team or, or call him a homer or anything like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I haven't messed with him quite to the level that you and Corey used to. Oh yeah, we destroy him. But he would, <laughs> he would, he would definitely dish it back, and it was good times. And like I say, you know, anytime you're around like your friends, at least for me growing up, it was like that. Y'all make fun of each other, just have good laughs and a good time. Uh, okay, so it's been all happy things, but you might get a little depressed now because you are a Bills fan, so we have to talk about the Bills. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. I know it's tough because you never know when you're going to get back there. And every team says, yeah, well, we're, we're going to be there next year. We just need to add this. And it's not that easy. See the 49ers from last year. But I have to think that this was a successful season for the Bills. I mean, winning the division, winning 13 games, getting to the AFC championship. I just think they ran into a much better team. What are your thoughts on the Bills as a fan? Yeah, so... All leading into that game all week last week, I was saying like they they won. the Like I felt pressure even as a fan, like the Bills need to beat the Colts. And I even felt that way about Baltimore, like for this season to be looked at as as a, as a success. I think they need to make the AFC championship game, which for the last 20 years would have been wild to say as a Bills fan. This was easily the best Bills season that I've experienced because Last time they were doing things like this, I was three and four years old. I don't really remember it at all. And I definitely didn't understand it when I was looking at it. So this was by far the best season. And yeah, it sucks to lose uh, so close to the Super Bowl. But and and, and I, I won't say like I went into it like I was saying they were playing with house money. But once that game started, I was like, and you're up nine zip. I want it. I want to get to the Super Bowl. I thought the Bills could win um, because they've been playing so well. But it's what you said, like they ran into a great coach. 
a great quarterback, and a great overall team. Like, I, I think the Chiefs are the best team in football. I thought that all year. I, I picked them to win the Super Bowl coming into the year, not going out on any limb there because everyone thinks that, but or most people do. I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback to ever do it, and I kind of view this as... Um, a measuring stick like the Bills clearly came up short this week but this feels like one of those situations where the Bills aren't going to go anywhere to your point I'm not taking it for granted because I do know that how quickly things could fleet be fleeting in the NFL but I feel like with with Bean as the GM and and McDermott as the head coach and then you have Allen and and a lot of really talented players on this roster like I feel like the Bills are really building towards uh sustainable success the only thing is are they ever going to be able to get over the the hump that is going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for the next decade I think a lot of teams are saying that to themselves especially in the AFC but what do you think this Bills Bills team needs to do in the offseason to maybe have a shot to knock off the Chiefs if they're their team standing in their way next year I think they need to get more um, pressure up front on the defensive side of the ball like it, it was very evident that that was a weakness. Like against the Colts, they had zero pressure at all against Phillip Rivers. They did a good job at stopping the run against the Ravens. But again, like you need to win in, in January, you need to be able to get some pressure and make life uncomfortable on the opposing quarterback. And I mean, even the little bit that they were able to get on Mahomes, like there was one time, I forget who the player was on the Bills that had basically had, uh, I think it was Matt Milano, had like Mahomes wrapped up and he was still able to break out of the tackle. And, like, on one leg, throw, like, 15 yards to Travis Kelsey. And I was just like, yeah, until you can get to Mahomes and bring him down, I don't think there's any way you can beat him. So I think that's the biggest thing. On the offensive side of the ball, though, I think they have pretty much all the pieces in place. Maybe upgrade the running back position, but if I'm gonna, if you're going to be weak at any position on offense, I'm cool with having Devin Singletary and Zach Moss as a rotation there. So... I think on offense, they have a lot of the pieces, and you just got to hope that Josh Allen can keep building on what he did this season. Yeah, I definitely think they need to upgrade the running back position. Uh, they really got nothing out of it. And were you surprised at how – because like going into the year, I think the thought was, okay, the Bills are going to be a run-first team, rely on the defense, even with the addition of Diggs. I was surprised at how much they abandoned the run this year. Were you surprised at that? Big time. Like, I, I was very high on Josh Allen coming into the season for fantasy. I thought he deserved to be in the top seven with, like, Watson and Kyler and Dak. And, and I thought the second tier, obviously, Lamar and Mahomes were the first tier coming into this season. But as high as I was on Josh Allen, I never thought it could have went the way it did this year. Like, I, I was high on him because of what he can do with his legs. And I thought anything he gives you with his arm, any improvements he gives you with his arm is an added bonus because I thought he would throw a little bit more with Diggs there and, and Brown and Beasley and those guys. But, man, like last week against Baltimore or two weeks ago, I guess it is now, they ran once in the first half and it was Josh Allen runs. So, like, they just I did not expect this at all. But for fantasy, I think it is amazing because it shows with, with Dable coming back next year, this is going to continue to be a heavy passing offense, which is great for Josh Allen and Diggs and even Cole, like your boy Cole Beasley from Dallas. Like he had a career year this year. Yeah. And apparently he had a broken fibula and played through it. Which is uh, insane. Yeah. Um, I know you're probably already starting to prepare for next year. Um, your early thoughts is Stefan Diggs, a first round pick next year in fantasy. For me, 
Uh, probably not. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. I would like him better in the second round because I'm just a believer that wide receiver is very, very deep and running back is not. So I like getting uh, those early high end early running backs that can give me, you know, 18, 20 touches a game because those players come the third round. There's not many of them left. So I, I usually am taking a running back early, and also I'm very comfortable with taking a tight end early now. Uh, I hated that for years, but like, how can you not take Travis Kelsey if he's sitting there, like in the back half of the first round? Like, I would take him over Diggs, uh, and then I would also, you know, prioritize like Kelsey and Waller in the second or third round. So I'm not anticipating having a whole lot of Diggs, but I think late first, early second round is is a fitting spot for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I do think we'll see Kelsey go late first round next year. Everyone's going to talk about the disparity between him and the other tight ends. And maybe maybe George Kittle is he's going to be lower because of the injuries. And we just need to see him have that Kelsey like season. But uh, it's going to be discussed so much how he gives you an advantage. And we'll see. It might not be the right move. I don't know. I mean, I took Kelsey in two leagues this year. But it was late second round. In fact, both of them, actually, it was the same start. Holy shit. Come to think of it. Yeah, my home league and an NFFC league, I started Barkley and Kelsey from the two spot. So I took Kelsey 23. So like there, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Even the GST, I had pick four. And I'm like, if Kelsey comes back to me, I'm taking him. He did it. Uh, and actually, I started Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones. Like, here's the thing, too. And I think this is a good lesson for people. Let me know your thoughts. So I was not high on Aaron Jones. Like, I didn't think he was a late first round pick. Um, you know, we were well aware of the touchdown regression. You know, we knew that the Packers would not run it as much that Aaron Rodgers would throw him. Well, I didn't realize how selfish he was going to be and throw at the <laughs> one yard line every time, push it for that MVP. But it got to the point where I was like, damn, people are really shitting on Aaron Jones too much. Like you're talking about, all right, I have pick four. Aaron Jones made it to me at pick 21. Like that was the only league I had him in, but I'm like, okay, this is too much. Like, I thought Aaron Jones was going to be a mid-first-round pick, late-first round, and I didn't want to take him there. It turns out it would have been wrong, but because someone was like, oh, I was surprised you took Aaron Jones. I'm like, dude, 21st pick overall. Like, now everyone is just exaggerating too much. So that's, I think, the key to being a good fantasy player is, so, yeah, did I say I didn't like Aaron Jones late-first round? Yeah. But now you're talking late second round where all these other running backs go ahead of him. I'm like, I'm going to take him in that spot. And I think that is one of the keys to being a good fantasy player is you have to, it, it all comes down to the price that you're paying for the player. Completely agree. And and I'm, as you were saying that, like I, I'm sitting here, I know it's January, but like I'm already thinking, and I, I'm comfortable taking Travis Kelsey in the middle to late first round. Like I have no, like pick six on or pick seven on, no problem with that. But there's six running backs that I really, really like, and I, I probably wouldn't take him over any of those six. But I had people today tweeting me, Travis Kelsey should be the first overall pick in drafts, even without a tight end premium. And I'm just like, as much as I love Travis Kelsey, if people are doing that, I am not going to have him this year because I wouldn't take him first overall, let alone in the top five. I think middle first round is where he becomes a really, you know, becomes where I, I'm comfortable drafting him. But yeah, people are going to are gonna just continue to react to how things go like year to year. And I, I would not be surprised if Travis Kelsey is going top five in some drafts next year. I think it's, what happens is people look at the disparity and go, oh, Travis Kelsey, what a huge advantage. Well, I had Travis Kelsey in two leagues. I didn't win either. 
It's not about one player. And people forget that way too much. There were still good tight ends that you could have gotten late. You could have even rotated the position every week and streamed it. I mean, it would have been tough. You probably would have had it down weeks. I mean, my most successful teams this year actually had TJ Hawkinson on it. And he definitely ended the season with a little bit of a thud, mainly due to week 16, Matthew Stafford getting hurt. But we know people react to what they saw. It's recency bias. So it's going to happen again next year. But my big question is for you, because I know you were in a fantasy baseball, but now that you're one of these other analysts who, you know, specifically work for the NFL, you have to do fantasy football year round. How much fantasy baseball will you be doing? At least playing. I know you're not going to, well, I don't know. Maybe you will. Cause you do have the radio show. Are you going to be writing anything for any other sites for fantasy baseball? So as of now, my plan is to still like I, I'm definitely doing football year round, but I I still want to do baseball, but just less than what I used to. I still plan on writing, you know, an article or two a week, and I have that rate the, the show with Scott, so I'll be talking baseball there, and I'll definitely be playing it. But to me, like, cause so last year with with the pandemic and everything, baseball started late July, and and Ronis, you know, you can tell better than anyone, like. That is when the shift goes to football. Like August, September on, it's all football. So I watched less baseball last year than ever. I played less uh, fa- less fantasy baseball last year than ever because I was like, normally from like April to June, I can dive into this every day, but w- we're in August now. Like I, my attention has to stick with football. And I usually, by this point already, am back fully back into doing a bunch of baseball, like best balls and looking up, you know, players and writing a whole bunch. I feel so. Oh, my dog is barking because she doesn't. She wants me to only talk football. Yeah, your dog. Your dog doesn't like what you're saying right now. (laughs) I I don't know. Like if this happened, I know you did a lot of baseball last year too, but I kind of feel overwhelmed, man. Like fantasy baseball has just blown up in recent years. And there's so many good players and so many good analysts out there. And like the other day I was reading, I forget even the name of the stat. It was some stat that I've never heard of. And like people were using it to justify like why some pitcher spin might. And I was just like, this is so much. And it feels like even just missing a 60 game season and not even missing, but, you know, not being as involved as I normally was. Like, I just feel like I'm so far behind already. So I, I am going to do baseball but probably less than I had done in pre-2020 seasons. Yeah, perfect example of a prima donna here, one of those analysts that only does football, (laughs) and football is the most important, and we're going to forget about every other sport. Very nice of you, Michael. Very good. I'm excited about our Mets. Of course. Uh, How can you not be? Now let's see what happens going forward, uh, see what other moves are made, but you have to be excited with Steve Cohen taking over as the owner. I mean, just the excitement, the, and just getting the will ponds out, man. It was just, we knew that they were going nowhere and it just felt like such a depressing feeling. And it's just complete optimism now. Although, you know, look, a lot of other teams are making a lot of moves, being aggressive, the Blue Jays, the Padres, the White Sox. And the problem with the Mets, as far as making trades, I mean, Cohen even acknowledges they just don't have the prospects like the Padres do to make a trade for Blake Snell, you know, or you Darvish. Yeah. I like, I thought coming into this season, when uh, this off season, Lindor was like the pipe dream and that happened. And I'm so happy it did. I, I will say though, like I'm surprised by the lack of free agent moves so far. And the fact that like the Mets are being outbid, but 
hey, they're playing it smart. Like Steve Cohen, I mean, clearly this is still an investment team. He's not going to come in and just hand out blank checks. But like they're they're in the running for Trevor Bauer still. And like if they land him, how are they not one of the top three or four teams in baseball? Yeah, that would be a sick pitching staff with Bauer, DeGrom, Carrasco, Strowman, Syndergaard. That would be ridiculous. And uh, the offense was, you know, the offense was one of the best last year. Yeah, yeah, it's not the issue. That's why, like, I, I was Springer's defense would have helped, but I'm, I'm okay, okay with, with them not, not signing him. him. A 31-year-old outfielder, six-year deal. I'm actually okay. I mean, would it have been nice it's not my money? Sure. But <laughs> they probably need more of a defensive center fielder. So I'm okay with them. I, I would have accepted it had he signed, and there were some hopes because he did say he wanted to be close to his home in Connecticut. So... I'm okay with them not getting Springer and they also need the money to sign Michael Conforto. Yeah. I'm like, that was my reaction. If not getting Springer means they extend Conforto, I'm fine with that. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, I don't know if we're going to be able to even go to city field this year. I know you used to go quite a bit because I'd be at games and then all of a sudden see you. So (laughs) I knew you were kind of stalking me trying to move up in this industry. So it kind of worked in a way, but are you going to find your way back to City Field if they should let fans in late in the year? If I'm in New York and fans are allowed to go, I would definitely love to go to a game. Like, out here, it's it's kind of similar to how it is in New York right now in L.A. And, like, I was saying, like, it kind of sucks because it would be so much fun to, to go to, like, a Dodger game this year or drive down and go see the Padres, who are going to be a ton of fun now. So I'm hoping that, Fans are able, and and this is behind us come the summer. But I don't, I don't like. So yes, if I'm in New York and able to go, I would definitely go because, first of all, I love City Field. It is such a beautiful ballpark, and and there's just nothing like going and just watching a baseball game. I've always, it's always been one of my favorite things to do. Um, but now that the Mets have not only that they are competitive, but they have like some of the biggest names in the sport, and Lindor and Degrom and. It's going to be a lot of fun to be a Met fan this year. So I would, I will definitely go if I'm able to. And the energy level that's going to be in that crowd. That's why I'm like, first thing I thought was like, man, no fans opening day. That's going to suck because the fans, you know, this talking to Met fans, seeing the reaction on social media, we're just so excited because it's just, it's a new era. It's just an era of optimism and having an owner that is going to spend money and. It's basically like if I won the lotto and bought this team. That's the way I felt with Steve Cohen. You know, he's a fan growing up. He just happens to have a, a lot of money. And he's not about profiting from this baseball team. He's got enough money. He's looking to feel the winner. And that is something that Mets fans have not felt in a very long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've ever had felt that in, in my life. Even like in 06, I guess back then when like the Mets used to spend money, it was fun. But I, I don't know. It just feels different now with Cohen. Uh, it definitely does. All right, Mike, let everyone know where they can find you and follow your work. You can find me uh, on Twitter, the best spot, at Michael F. Florio. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And then uh, NFL.com and Rotoballer. That's where uh, you can find all my work right now. I'm doing way too early top 12s at each position, Ronis. Uh, so I did quarterback last week, currently working on running back. Then I'll have receiver, tight end. Uh, and then it'll be... Combine and draft time, so that'll be fun as well. Well, man, it was good talking to you and catching up. Again, we go way back, and you know, good seeing 
people move up in this industry. I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. I still think your softball game needs a lot of work, but hey, that's besides <laughs> the point. But I'm glad to see you doing well uh, at NFL.com and the NFL Network. Appreciate it. I haven't actually played softball in uh, in like a year now. Wow. Damn. Yeah, we, we had our season cut short here. Uh, I only played July and August, and then obviously they have a fall season, but it's Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and I can't do it during the football season because, you know, I'm answering questions in the chat for FantasyAlarm.com, setting lineups, so I just can't play the fall season due to work. So I did check, and I the other day I was like, let me see, did they put the start date for the uh, spring season yet? And uh, right now it's April 11th, so that's – Two months away, man. So I'm already getting excited uh, to play some softball here. It might be cold April 11th, but you know what? I don't care, considering <laughs> that we had to miss a chunk of the season last year. Um, and it'll, and it's you know we learned that during a pandemic. It's those little things in life that we kind of take for granted that all of a sudden we're taken away. And um, softball is one of them for me. I know you're younger than me, even though I look younger and probably <laughs> act younger, uh, but. Um, I've been playing softball for a long time, and uh, that was, this past year was by far the least amount of softball I've ever played. I basically played two months. It might have been less because we had we had off for Labor Day weekend, I guess. So yeah, I think we started playing mid July, and I my last week I played was the I guess the no, we didn't even play Labor Day weekend. So late August, so it was the least amount of softball I played. Yeah, I. So my 2019 season, because we play here and in, even into the winter, because I mean winter here is like 60 degrees. Um, so we were playing, and like it, the season ended in early December, and then in 2020 they reached out to us and they were like, "Hey, you guys had a game rained out, so we're just rescheduling it." And it was about this time a year ago, we just had one random makeup game, and even everyone on the team was like, "Why are we doing this?" Like. We all thought it just got rained out. We're already eliminated from the playoffs, both teams. Like, so we're just here for fun. But everyone showed up and played. And that was the only game of softball I played in all of 2020. That is brutal. It was also the first year for me that I did not attend one baseball game live since yeah. 1987 for me. Wow. Yeah. I did attend an NBA game. In February, I was uh, second row behind the Golden State Warriors bench against the Brooklyn Nets at the Barclays Center, thanks to Lisa Ann. Um, but yeah, I was I was in St. Petersburg for the labor draft, but I did not go to any of the spring training stuff uh, because I had a little uh, little. Uh, I had to meet someone down there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't able to go. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping that changes this year, but who knows? We know how it is in New York and especially out there in California, but glad you're staying safe. Glad you're enjoying your job and, uh, appreciate the time, man. Uh, it was always good talking to you. Yeah, it was good talking to you. And hopefully, uh, the two of us can either attend a game or play some softball or do something that involves leaving the house in 2021. Let's hope so. Or that wraps it up again. You're listening to Annie up. I'll be back tomorrow. Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. He'll join me. We'll talk some fantasy baseball with him.